check one, check two. Welcome to the Cannabis Coffee Hour. (laughs) It's your host, Rob Cantrell, and I have an amazing show and a dope show, a caffeinated show, a cannabis-ized show, a lionized show. I got my good buddy coming here from Washington, D.C., the 202 official. Please give it up for Nate. Bergman, everybody. <sighs> How are you, Rob? I'm doing good, man. How are you, Nate? Very good. Also, also very caffeinated right now. Nice. Yeah, I'm on my second French press. I got all into it. Amazing. Uh, thanks for doing this, Nate. I know you're in DC. I know you're pushing this new album. I've been pumping the new beats. You sent me the new album. I enjoyed the new song. The Ode to Manchester is what I was just listening to. Oh, cool. Uh, and it, it, yeah, I love it, man. I love it. Uh, before we get deep, I'm, thank you for doing this. Cause no, thanks for having me. A- anyone that wants, it, when you're in quarantine, anyone that wants to talk to you, it's a, it's an open invitation. You know what I mean? I'm in 400 square feet in Capitol Hill. So yeah, I got you. I mean, I know where exactly you are. I know your block or I know your neighborhood, but uh, everybody's like this, but sometimes you, Sometimes you don't want to feel like, yeah, Zooms do zap you out a little bit. You can only do like three Zooms a day. If you're, yeah. pushing, if you're pushing over three Zooms. Yeah. yeah. Or, or uh, um, one Zoom that has like eight, nine family members on it. That's a night. That's a, just a, not, a nightmare. Yeah, that's a drainer. That's a drainer. And my wife will spring up like the family Zoom. All of a sudden I'm sitting down to eat a chicken parm. I know about economics and how I'm going to survive in this new economy. I'm yeah. They're like, man, I just sat down. Yeah. Uh, what's it, what's it like for an independent artist uh, in the middle of, of a pandemic uh, while you're trying to enjoy the one, the one um, escape you have for the day, which is your chicken parm. You know, you get that 15 minutes of delight and the rest of it's anxiety and dread. And, then they, you know, yeah, yes. You got some sleep in there, and you got some masturbation. And, yeah, and you yeah. got some defecation. If you yeah. hit those three, you hit sleep. I, yeah. I feel like you've been watching me. I feel like you've been watching me. If you defecated and you and you got a good nut, dude. I mean, that's that's the trifecta right there. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I, I'm, I applied for unemployment. Um, in DC for the first time ever, I, I, I got to do it. Um, and I can tell you for a fact, I'm making more money now. Um, I'm making more money now staying home and, and doing the, and defecating and, and nutting and sleeping than I am out there grinding for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I feel the same way, but let's not blow up the spot. All right. I, I never, I never applied for unemployment ever. And I've been doing stand-up for 20 years. I've never, but I've had side gigs and shit that's taken things out of that I was just like on to the next. So I did it and they turned me down. I didn't have enough hours this year. Oh shit. But uh, New York had a COVID thing and I pushed on that and I got to, got through to my local representative, like the city rep and I called their office. They pushed it through. I'm getting a little money. I'm not getting big money. But I, right. I it because of the COVID, so that's awesome. Yeah, it's good. It's, it took the uh, took a little. It took the dread level off a couple notches. For sure, for sure. It it, it eases the mortgage thing. But the, the the embarrassing part about this, I guess, 
and, and I'm definitely not, I don't want to get political. This is not the hour for it, but I, I think the, the, the saddest part is, you know, ha- having toured internationally and I'm talking to my friends in Greece and in Germany and um, it, every other country in the world seems to really value its arts and seems to really value its comedians and its musicians. And we're like the, we're like the last country in the, wor- in the, you know, in the uh, modern industrialized world that really, you really are scraping the bottom of the barrel when you're dealing with arts and artists. And in Germany, the five days after they had the shutdown, they gave musicians and painters and, and comedians and stuff, they already had them on a monthly stipend above the one that they already get just for being an artist. It's That's just, a, a, it's wild. That's fat. Just let me give some background. Uh, everybody, this is Nate Bergman. And Nate Bergman, I met years ago. He had one of, he still is the head or the lead singer guitarist for one of the top bands in DC and one of the funkiest bands I've ever seen live. One of my favorite bands, Lion Eyes. But I've known these kids since they were cubs. You know, I've known them since they were like 21 years old. Straight but, up. Uh, our careers have always kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, dance together in some ways. We've done gigs here and we've remained friends. And if you're in New York, I'll stop by a gig. Or if I'm in DC, you guys will stop by a gig. And, uh, but I, the thing that was fascinating was you guys were doing it in music. You were opening for, up for Clutch, which is one of my favorite bands of all time. But you were touring with them, which is like a major act just to get to that level is amazing and what I was like, oh shit, these fucking young bucks are out here killing it. Uh, but then, you know, you're also awesome dudes and smart and, and evolved and just, if I'm just saying like, if you weren't in bands, I'd probably hang out with you guys. <laughs> if we were- Yeah, yeah, school, yeah. We're, if we were in school together, I would still kick it with you, Nate. Like, we share similar interests. Thank you, likewise. I, I, yeah, I mean, the music thing is the thing, music is the thing that kind of brought everyone together. Our, our common love for the golden era hip-hop and go-go um the rock bands that we kind of both were into um and then i think it's really interesting too that uh comedy on the other end has always i've always loved stand-up comedy so when i finally met a, a real comedian it was uh it was a treat for me to watch um you know your journey too to kind of see how you've evolved and, and where you've gone to from a time, I guess, when we first met, comedy kind of like wasn't the hottest thing. And now comedy is, is, is the hottest thing in the world right now. And it's just interesting to kind of see it, you know, all happen at once. I know. When I saw you guys, and I remember talking to Louis Katz, who's like one of my dudes that I started out with in San Francisco. And I remember telling him, I was like, like, because comedy wasn't hidden in 2002, 2000. I was like, dude, I see us as like MCs, like, total hip-hop MCs, like we're all fucking, I think it's just as hip as that. And he was looking at me like I was cross-eyed. He was like, I don't know. But then for his generation, he saw the whole wave. Like I saw, it, the wave is still happening, but it's weird. Cause I remember when comedy wasn't that cool, but now comedy is almost as cool as being in a band or almost cooler. That's what's weird for me. It's- No, it's definitely cooler. It's cooler. It's gotten, but there was a time when it was not. And I know that time, I've seen this bubble go before. The 80s did the same shit, man. Yeah, yeah. You have to be wary of the hype, as Chuck D is, you know, one of the most lyric lyricists of all time. Never, ever believe the hype. But 
uh, it is kind of a cool ride to see it, you know, both of us. I've seen you kind of go, you know, internationally, and then you have a fan base in Greece that where you were talking about, like, just the last few years, like, internationally, music has opened up for you. Yeah, it's interesting, though, too, in the same sense, I don't, I think it was kind of cool in, like, the 90s and the early 2000s to be in a band band. But then I think now it's almost, it's not very cool to play an instrument or like to really know what kind of what you're doing. I think it's very cool to be like um, avant-garde, not very good. I think that's the hippest like thing that you could do right now is just to kind of have a laptop and be like, I don't really care about music. So, you know, that's like kind of the most popular vibe right now. But I think just like comedy, I guess, the real shit never goes away, right? So like Dave Attell, you got dudes like you and Dave Attell and and Stan Hope and guys that have just been grinding forever and they're still the realest ones. They're the ones uh, that- I'm not even, on those guys' shelf. But come yeah, on, dude. Yeah, you absolutely, absolutely are. You I'm absolutely are. On those are. dudes' shelf. But no, I get what you're saying, especially in the age of social media. It's tricky to be an artist, but also it's the most empowering time to be an artist. I mean, you're killing it on Patreon. If anybody knows, Nate has this new project. He's gone solo, and he's always had this really soulful, cool voice. And this new album he sent over that I've been listening to and checking out his YouTube uh, has this, like, it has almost like a Western country laid-back feel. And you know who I've been getting into lately that I think is dope is J.J. Kale. Is that the dude that... Oh, yeah. For sure. That wrote all the songs for not not all the songs, but he wrote Cocaine and he wrote Yeah, yeah, JJ uh, Kale is incredible. Yeah, JJ Kale, I've been on a deep dive, dude. I mean, I wanted to talk about with this podcast, I talk about cannabis. I talk about I bet I've been going a lot into music. That's where I'm psyched to have a real musician, a dude that's cool, cool, yeah. But uh JJ Kale's great because he kind of was before all this do it yourself, he was making all those songs himself. Like th- those like uh the breeze is on a drum track. It's on an electric drum machine. Yeah, it's well crazy. I, there's there's a slew of great people um, like that. I mean, in all honesty, uh, even going if you if you really want to go back to it, I mean, S- Sam Cooke uh, was producing and publishing his own material at a time where that was when the mob basically controlled the music business. Was that a Sun lot- Records? Is Sam Cooke Sun? Or is that, is Sam Cooke's a soul singer, right? Sam Cooke, yeah, 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 okay. yeah. So, so he was in the, I mean, he's the, people say he basically invented soul music. I would, I would kind of. So he's the predates Motown or did he start Motown? Pre- predates Motown. Wow. He's, he was the first gospel singer in the Chitlin circuit to come over uh, and cross into secular music, but by using the gospel sound, which in, was soul music. I mean, that's where, that's where it yeah, came it from. So he had all these number one hits, and he said about halfway through his career, kind of at the peak of his career, he said, why am I, ge- why am I taking a little bit of chump change for a publishing deal when I can just put up all the money myself and then retain all the publishing rights? And a lot of people believe in the industry that the mob k- killed him because his catalog was worth so much money and he was taking money kind of, he was taking food right out off their table. And, wow. and so, so I think you look at guys like Sam Cooke, you look at guys like JJ Kale, you look at guys like Nils Lofgren, who's also a fellow DC area cat who ended up playing with uh, the E Street band, um, wow. Chuck Brown, all these guys, these are all guys that did it themselves. 
the bad the bad brains minor threat dc i really actually feel has this kind of self-sustaining attitude kind of from the from the get-go yeah man and you guys have it i mean the thing about dc is like whatever being cool or being like widespread cool isn't cool in dc no like you gotta be you gotta get you gotta have respect amongst dc people and dc people are haters at their heart <laughs> at the heart of it all it's hate. it's fueled by hate it's, i don't know if it's bully haters but they don't they don't cut no bullshit you know that's that's the thing it's just it's no i wouldn't say it's hate it's just no bullshit you can't fuck around and the same thing with new york like but New York, uh, the big money's here, and the big money will always win in New York. For sure. But For sure. But if he doesn't have the big money, it's more politics, and all those people are in bed by 9 o'clock, so they're not even dealing with the art scene, you know? So, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, DC's always had that. I don't give a fuck where you're from. Like, a DC cat is like, I don't know. There was kind of, there was a snobbery, not as much anymore, but if you weren't from DC or you weren't about DC, people didn't right. really give you full respect. Well, I totally remember too, kind of when, when Biggie and, and, um, and bad boy, when Puffy was kind of doing the bad boy thing, he leaned so heavily into the fact that he went to Howard. Um, and, and they talked about DC a lot and they talked about Howard because I think that it's like, it's one of those tastemaker cities in a weird way where like Houston, Atlanta, LA, Chicago, New York, and DC. And if you don't have those in a mainstream setting, if you don't have DC, you're not going to get Houston or Atlanta. It's, it's part of that, like, it's part of like the vibe scene. And I think more and more now, um, it's the music scene is starting to come back a little bit. It, it left for a long time. It's been atrocious for a very long time, but I see it starting to come back and it goes in waves like everything else so yeah it goes in waves man um and that's what i was thinking about your your new sound or what you're pushing towards there is i mean there is kind of a country western thing going on sure sure i mean i i think that really came from like i love old country and i love old blues yeah i saw the zz top documentary did you see this oh it's so good it's so So, good it's right so you you look at ZZ Top, right? And it's like, it's blues and it's rock and it's a little bit of country. And it's like, my goal with the new songs I I made was to not have anything in mind as far, like, I feel like I really love the music that I've made in Lion Eyes, but I did feel like going into this project, I was more free because when you have a fan base and you have, um, a group and you're working in a group setting you have, and I don't look at them like restrictions, but there are expectations. There's expectations internally and externally that influence where your mind goes to create the thing you're going to create. For instance, you know, I think if you have the best pizza spot, you're not going to start looking to make, you know, uh, Indian food. You're not going to go experiment with that because that's not what your core customer base once you know but to me that started to feel a little restrictive artistically so i looked at this project and i don't call it a project really because i think this is the new direction that i'm moving in um but i really do i i felt so free to do anything i wanted and i wrote a song i said you know this this is a a ballad but or a this is kind of a soul ballad but what if i put a, a pedal steel on it and i had the best guy in alabama 
uh, this guy, Todd Bean, who um, toured with Lucero for years, and now he tours with Chuck Reagan. What if I get him to play pedal steel on this soul song? Why, why just look at it in a linear sense? Why not look at it as a, a, a constant evolving, moving thing? And I think that's without sounding like, like a pretentious asshole, I think. That was my, my thought process. You're doing it, man. And uh, yeah, every artist, you got to evolve and change. And I do think with the technology, it's like whatever vibe you're picking up, it's like, I will say Tracy Morgan dropped a good jewel on me. The, the thing about an artist, you got to know your place and time. You can't be a dope artist trying to be a dope artist of 95 when you're in 2020. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You got yeah. to be this week. You got to understand the vibrations that are happening right now and what people are dealing with. And I think that this album comes through because there is kind of this weird COVID just to give a little bit. I mean, we could talk for five hours, but you just came back. You had I got all day. I got all day. I have nowhere to go. I got about I got an hour and the edible just kicked in. So (laughs) could be a few hours. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to spark up because it's legal here. in DC. Yeah, please, please. I want to talk all about that. But uh, Nate was just he just. You know, he did this big push with this solo project that wasn't with his, you know, band that was kind of like the next step in his musical evolution. And what, it was just like this solo tour with just his acoustic guitar uh, across Europe. And literally the week you landed, because I followed you, you know, I saw it all go down. You were one of those cats. I, I talked to in Guy Obilum on our earlier episode and he was in Spain when it all went down. And he was had a big gig, but you had a big tour all set up and you were kind of stranded in London for a few weeks. Yeah, it was really crazy. I mean, so I went, this is the first solo tour. Um, I got a great opening slot. People kind of started to talk about it a little bit because it kind of came out of nowhere. And um, we got, I got to Sweden. I did three shows. They were some of the best show. I mean, some of the best experiences I've ever had. And I really, with this whole tour, I wanted to kind of get back to basics without thinking about tour buses and vans and tour managers and, and sound guys and, and the guys in my band. And this, I just wanted to go with an acoustic guitar, sleep in a van every night and get back to the basics of why I started doing this, you know, 15, 18 years ago. And I got to uh, Sweden, played the shows, landed, and I'm just going to be a... I'll just open up here. Why not? Because we're buddies. Um, landed in uh, back in Manchester. Uh, was preparing to go to London. Drove halfway to London. Parked my van. Two o'clock in the morning, my phone starts going off. The tour's canceled. Okay, so 15, 16 dates ahead of me. Flights booked. I'm in a rental car. I mean, the whole nine. Tour's canceled. Um, the day before that happened... I actually got the phone call um, that my manager of uh, the last six, the band's manager and now my manager for this new thing of six years passed away at 51 very suddenly. Um, so it was just super, when I got the news that the um, tour was canceled, my knee-jerk reaction was to, okay, first person I'm calling is my manager, Brian. Brian Delworth, yeah. Brian Delworth, yeah. Uh, legendary um music person a legendary philadelphia guy uh yeah i knew brian Gilworth just so the 
the listeners, and I keep on saying viewers, but yeah, there'll be viewers, but no, Brian Dilworth was the sweetest, coolest, legendary music guy of Philly. He booked some of the most iconic punk rock venues for a good 10 years and then went on to kind of the bigger theaters, but he handled a lot of people on the East Coast and you guys worked with them. And he, that would have been, yeah, and he had this vibe about him that everything's gonna be all right. Literally. And, and that was the, you know, he was a guy who was very connected in the industry, but I, w I felt very part of his family. I knew his wife and his, and his kid very personally. I spent many, 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 many nights over at their house. Um, I crashed his house once. Yeah. yeah, that's so crazy. I told, you know what? I totally forgot. I totally forgot. I know, but we forgot. I met him earlier, and then you guys started working with him like seven mm. years later. Yeah. So he met me on the Mitch Hedberg tour. Mm -hmm. So I saw him, I met him, and he booked that tour. And then he booked me with Michael Ian Black a couple other times to open up for him. And then he was trying to do this high time show, and some things got messed up. Um, but we would always go back. He was, yeah, there was a good year that Brian Dilworth and I were just going back and forth on comedy. He knew comedy was about to pop, like even before. He just couldn't. Yeah, and he was, he was a big comedy fan. Yeah. He loved you. He loved he loved you. He loved Hedberg. Um, he loved Bill Hicks. He loved the shit that was like the real shit. We talking about vibrational stuff. Yeah, we watched Saturday Night Live together. Like this is the type of cat. Like he would go home and watch like our tapes Saturday Night Live, and he was one of those guys who would watch it every Sunday. Like he would watch it back to forth. Like that was he just yeah. knew comedy. He just knew it all. He was a good dude, and um, great dude. Yeah. So I got that shocking phone call uh, on the on the eighth or ninth of March, tenth, two o'clock in the morning. Whole tour's canceled. There's a travel ban in place, uh, and, and 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 again, all politics aside, let me tell you what how our government was operating from the standpoint of somebody who was trying to get home. The Department of Homeland Security's website where you would go to get updated travel information for the first three and a half days that um, they had the travel ban in place and things were shutting down, the instructions on the website were just a transcript of Trump's speech. Okay? So no actual... No actual valid information. <laughs> so they said travel ban, but it is for citizens, but we didn't know until five days later. Then by the time I knew that, that I could fly home, the airports were madhouses, dude. I mean, just madhouses. Just like it looked like a Japanese subway station. Just people pouring into this, and they were waiting for 12 hours, and, and, and everybody obviously was getting sick in, in those containment periods. Um, so I ended up being in, stuck there for 10, 15, 13 days. I got the last flight out before they canceled all the flights out. I lost, I remember that I lost an egregious amount of money <laughs> and, uh, and I came home and, and immediately started working on new music. So <laughs> what else can you do? What else can you do, man? You grabbed your nuts and you started pushing it out there. That's why I'm psyched to have you on the cannabis coffee hour. Pleasure I'm sorry you had to go through that shit. Uh, you know, but, but that's what we do, right? So, so I also, I think this is quite an interesting time because I see that as we talk about the wave and along with waves of good stuff also comes the, the fake stuff and the bad stuff. And I think what's happening now is a lot of people who are musicians and comedians and 
artists. I think there's a lot of people who probably shouldn't be doing it. And I think now they're reassessing their entire like plan to continue to do it. Cause I know, I, I know a couple people who went through similar situations as I did. And the first, my first thought when I got back home and they're like, everything shut down. I'm like, when, when can I go back on tour? And I know a lot of other people were like, well, I'm going to start applying for real jobs because I don't know if I can continue to do this to myself. And that's fine. But I, I do think that that's the positive. That's the silver lining I'm seeing coming out of this is that maybe there's a little thinning of the herd. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. The only problem I, is going to be on life too. <laughs> there's a mm-hmm. thinning of the herd. People are actually dying. But yeah. It's, ter- it's terrible. It's going to make it really hard. Uh, for people that don't love it. And that's how it was in the 90s. Like if you did, when comedy wasn't popping, you, cause it wasn't covered on anything. Like you had to really love it to put up with the bullshit. Cause there's a lot of bullshit. Uh, there's a lot of bullshit with any, I mean, it's like, I will say there's a Mel, uh, History of the World part one, Mel Gibson or Mel, Mel Brooks. I yeah. I I called him Mel Gibson, sorry. The two very Mel. different people. One is, one is a Jew. <laughs> And the other does not particularly like Jews. Oh, the other one. One is the opposite. But, uh, <laughs> I know we could talk about that forever. Uh, but I want I want to address some of that too. Uh, but but what it, Mel Brooks was like? So the guy comes up to, in front of the court and goes, "What do you do?" He goes, "I do stand up comedy." He goes, "Oh, so you're a pr- professional bullshit artist." <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing about comedy like music you guys create the songs stand-up is literally buffoonery i mean in terms of uh i know you're a big fan of podcasts podcasts is a whole other thing but stand-up to its art form is you go up there and you get laughs by you know writing jokes and all that but at the same time you know it is what it is you're you're being a buffoon you know i get it i get it but i also think too um I all, why I'm actually such a big fan of stand up because I think at its core is this is this really and I don't want to say ugly truth because I think it's a lot of beauty to it too but there's this really ugly truth at the core of stand up that that strikes that chord with people and and I think that's what makes it funny is that it's it's funny it's buffoonery but it's also striking this chord of like well we probably should laugh at this because it's such a uh, a deep heavy thing we're talking about and i think also with the boom of comedy right now you're taking the torch where music has totally dropped the ball and i'll tell you what i mean by that like and i i'm a i'm a foo fighters guy i'm a nirvana guy i love dave Grohl as a hometown hero but like look at the platform this guy has to to speak the truth or look at like so many major artists have this platform to say things that are fucked up and uncomfortable like all of our heroes did before and i really don't think it's happening anymore so i think i think comedy is one of the last places where people are talking about stuff that is really transcendent of um the fake phony materialistic bullshit that's like you know like TikTok. You're talking about eating ass a lot <laughs> yeah yeah but that's what kids are that's what's happening in the streets dude that's what's happening in the streets no that's it's how covid spread around new york city was uh, that i know but it's like uh i try to not to go holier than now much i used to in my day and uh but i i kind of seen stand up no i think stand up is the core of all cores but i think 
all of these things, it's a blessing if you even get paid a dollar. You know, for you to, oh, yeah, dude. to be played a dollar to play the trumpet or play the guitar or tell a joke, like that's the whole reward. So it's hard for me to ever, like I try not to judge people as hard, as harshly as I try to like work on my own shit. And the thing is, is like, yeah, there is huge platforms and I think music did push it. I was, I've been getting deep back. I never was super tool. Like I liked a couple of their tunes, but lately I have been going back to them and yeah. deep and tool and kind of tapping into that thing that you're talking about. That is like this universal truth that we're all living and processing and all suffering. And a lot of it is just, you have to go through it. You know, that's yeah. what I've learned with life is like even the worst stuff and even the best stuff is just moving through it and how much you scream and cry and yell, it's still not gonna stop it. Cause you're right. still gonna go through it, you know? So it's like, uh, yeah, I just, just especially tool in the shadow self. Like I've been reading a lot about ego. And the thing about comedy you have to watch about, it's very, and the thing about art, it's, uh, I don't know. It, I, it's very selfish in some ways. It's very me. It's very right. me. Right. Look at me. It's all about me. So, and, and if you say, oh, look at me, I have all the answers. Uh, no, I, I, that, I, I that's, like, okay, you, fair you enough. Have, you have the answers for you. You don't have the answers for that motherfucker. Right, but okay, so let me rephrase what I said. What happened to artists asking the questions? It's not about the answers, but I, I feel like, could you imagine if uh, Hendrix were around today and they were, and they were like, hey, listen, um, all along the watchtower, it was good for Dylan, but it's not going to work well on TikTok. So we're going to have to shelve that one. We need you to do something that's going to cut in 30 seconds and be a little more down, down the middle. We wouldn't have – just think about that. I mean, think I about our heroes that. existing in that in, the, in these things that we're dealing with today. I mean, it's, it's – you yeah, know, it's – where's the – I guess – I'm think not judging anyone. I think it on TikTok. People would have been going <laughs> – <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I just mother like mother over there. This one's for her. Yeah, thirty seconds. They cut him off at thirty. Have you ever listened to Jimi Hendrix like talking off stage? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. He's great. He's hilarious. He's making jokes like literally the whole time. I have a great photo of Jimi Hendrix, and he has an album of Lenny Bruce. Like he was really into comedy. No, if you right, listen yeah, to Hendrix. Yeah, it's all like there's that one he's talking. He's like, this is a song about Bob Dylan. There's his mother over there. And he's just blanking bullshit up. It's like, yeah. I slept on gold mattresses last night. You know, he's just fucking around. But I always yeah. saw the humor in him. I always liked bands with a good sense of humor. But yeah, there is like a heavy, yeah, that's an interesting concept. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I, I guess I, approaching this new stuff for me was really more about just like, trying to say like say things that i thought um like my truth yeah. and not not allowing outside influence to to affect that because i think there is a lot of um oh, yeah. self self censorship and uh corporate censorship and i think when you put those two things together you get the worst yeah it's all about money and i think you end up getting the worst comedic artistic musical product that you get something that's just so watered down from its intention. I know. 
But the only thing is, I just know the good art is when you don't think about it. 100%. And you don't, it's like, it's my new thing is like, if you talk about comedy, it's never funny. Ever. And yeah. Then, but if you talk about God, it's like, it's probably the least godly thing you could do. You know, yeah, it's all I about, agree. It's all about that moment, you know? And I think music, you're capturing the moment. And yeah, if you're honest and it'll transcend uh, but I tell you what I think is getting hip, and I heard it in your sound, is how powerful, just because I'm in comedy world, and I know how things change, and I know how things move, but what I've noticed, how powerful is Nashville in the music business right now? Like, it's, cra it's crazy because like if you're in the music yeah. business, you wouldn't want to be in L.A. Like, you want to be in Nashville, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Nashville is nashville is for musicians as to what like being a stand-up comic in new york city is as as far as resources go like you can there's 400 studios and there's 300 producers and there's every label has an office in nashville every management company has an office in nashville there's tons of of, of ways to, to utilize where you live and that's like that's something I don't think you get in a lot of places for, for music. Yeah, they're doing great stuff down there. But that makes sense. But it's almost with technology and we're talking on Zoom. I think you're in a great position. And uh, is your so you just put up your Patreon like three weeks ago, but you're up to over like 100 patrons, you know? Yeah, today it hit 120 and it's just, it's going up. And, and basically I'm approaching it like, yes, I'm always going to utilize Spotify and I'm always going to utilize these things that are kind of like corporate giants that kind of push your stuff out there a little bit, but they're make, they're kind of reaping more reward from your work than you are. So I'm using the Patreon. I'm going in the studio and I'm cutting 10, 20. I have 30 songs in the bank and I'm every 100 subscribers on Patreon. I give them a new studio track that I don't put on Spotify that I don't put on any other outlet. Because that's what it's about, right? It's about being in your own lane and developing the people that are, the, you know, the people that are paying five, my, my Patreon's only five bucks a month. And the people that are paying that five bucks, there's no bigger tier, no smaller tier. The point is, is like, they're spending their money and I'm, ta I'm, I'm taking that money and I'm, I'm giving them something back without having like some other interest involved in it. Like, it doesn't need to go get on a playlist and it doesn't need to do this or that. And it doesn't need to be, you know, I, I'm obviously want those other outlets to be successful for my music. But at the end of the day, it's just about the people who want to support me being a musician. It's not, a, Spotify doesn't give a fuck if I die tomorrow. They, they no. just don't, they don't, they don't care. No, there's, it, a million, there's a million it, other it, me's willing better. to upload their music on it. Yeah, it's the same thing with Twitter. Like all these written jokes, like you want the publicity but for like the amount of dollars it really gets into the artist's pocket, it's like, eh, you're doing all this work and doing all this hustle for this notoriety, but you're really just pumping up some other weirdo website. You might as well pump up your own weirdo website. Right. $5, yeah, I think your, your thing is brilliant. And I think $5, that's how much, if you were into an artist, that's how much you would spend anyway, not even that much. Well, even uh, for your for your Patreon or anyone's, I think if you like, if you look at what you spend, you want to spend on artistic content as a consumer a month. You have Netflix, you have HBO. So let's say you're at 
you want to spend 50 bucks a month all in on everything. You can give three bucks here, five bucks there, uh, 10 bucks here on Patreon. And you're getting like, you're really making a difference in an artist's life to continue to create music that you or comedy or anything that you like. And it's, that's why it's been so successful for, I think for podcasts is because if you love a podcast and you get one a week for free and you get two or three a week because of the Patreon, why wouldn't you pay the three, three dollars? I mean, I got this, I got this oat milk triple shot latte at a place in Capitol Hill today. And it was seven, seven seventy five with a tip. Yeah. Okay. That's, $2.75 more than my Patreon costs for the whole month. Oh, yeah. So it's bang for the buck, and it's, it's niche. You know, everything is, you know, I don't really know that, like, me going to do a set on The Tonight Show really generates audience members anymore. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't really know that it, I just don't think it does. So, no. Yeah, there's so much variety and there's so much people can hone into exactly what they like. And what you got blew my mind. You just got three espresso shots? Oh, uh, yeah, with oat milk. With oat milk over yeah. ice. Yeah. Man, that's a good one, man. Uh, that is, uh, and where did you get that from? I know my place right across from Eastern Market. I just like it. It's Java Beach. No, Java, I don't know. It's Java. The job, the- Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Java Bean Cafe. Yeah, John. Yeah, right there on the corner. I like how those guys. That's move. a good. That's a good little spot. They got some good smoothies. That's a good place. Um, uh, those leather chairs next to the window. That's a good hang with the Wi-Fi. If you need yeah. to hang out. My go-to. I have two spots. Uh, one spot I love coffee at is uh, is is it's called Emily's, and it just opened on Twelfth in Pennsylvania, right on the main strip uh, near the new Fragers. Um, that's a great spot in Capitol Hill for coffee. They also have a great hot chicken sandwich. My go-to spot is call your mother deli on barracks row. Call your mother is a Jewish, uh, bagel deli coffee spot. And it's, uh, it's, they say Jewish, um, cause it's not kosher, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds dope, man. Uh, I'm yeah. drinking counterculture coffee. This is very nice. Hologram. So it's good. Uh, I just picked this bag up, but uh, yeah, there's a, one thing. I, uh, can you play us a song? I just wanted to bring up one. Yeah. Other thing and yeah. uh, we're running near 40 minutes here. Cool. Uh, we're flying through this. Name. I could talk with this can be a 10, 20 hour podcast. Yeah, we'll do but another wanted, one. Soon. Have you heard about this other Rob Cantrell popping up? No. Good. Well, there's a, I don't want to give him much plug pub but i'm getting killed on twitter right now i had to change my twitter handle but there's Why? literally a guy there's a like a proud boy not oh, jesus dude named killing it on twitter right now uh, it's a different but they're going after him he's not even on twitter but it's uh i don't even want to go into it i don't want to give this guy any press but i just want but to did people start kind of coming at you nazis, thinking you were illinois nazis uh what's that yeah so, uh, so no- people kind of started to at you thinking it was yeah. him Yes, people start coming at me like. That. Couldn't you just take one look at your you, a picture of you, and know that you're you couldn't you couldn't be a Nazi if you tried. I know. I retweeted like uh, Tracy Morgan's head writer. Like even if you look at my shit, it's just like, dude, are you kidding me? I'm as liberal. I'm beyond liberal. I want to live in a tree and drive you a have, buffalo around. Yeah, you 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 wear Fila jumpsuits and you break dance. There's break nothing. Dance. There's nothing. It's uh, supremacist about that. 
No, no, it's not. It's not even in my DNA. I was born in 1972 in Northeast DC <laughs> on 60th Constitution. Like literally, I listened to Go Go before hip hop. Like there's yeah. no, yeah. there's no, 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 no racist Nazi. I I didn't hear anything about it, so hopefully it just blows over. Yeah, I think it's going to blow over in a couple Fuck days. I wanted, I wanted to bring that up, uh, but uh, I also I want to get a because I'm doing the free Zoom, so they might hit us with a charge, yo. Okay, so- <laughs> let's, get in, let's get in and out before. Yeah, let's get in and out. Let's get you a tune. Do you have a tune uh, ready to go? Yeah, sure. I'll play uh, the first single that I put out on the Patreon. It's called Living on the Line. It's, oh, about, love- what, it's about what we do. Yeah, Living on the Line. Day All to right. day, everybody. Should I just rip into it? Yeah, Nate Bergman. I'll give you a little intro. This is Nate Bergman. Check out... Uh, his album, check out his uh, Patreon. Uh, Nate Bergman Sings is his That's Instagram. Me. And a- Nate Bergman, Bergman Sings is his Twitter. Get at him. Uh, yeah, man. He has so many stories. But yeah, here's the new, here's the new tune. What's it called? Cool. It's called Living on the Line. Here I am shaking with blood on my hand. These ain't the clothes, the clothes, the clothes of no innocent man. I will never see the light, but I can tell when I burn in hell. The fire is bright. I say, Oh, living on the line. Almost running out of borrowed time. I say, Oh, metaphysical change. Almost could not leave this astral plane. Here I am making excuses again. These ain't the cause the words, the words of no honest man. I will never know the peace of some man who's entrusted his plan to some lost deity. I say, who living on the line? Almost running out of borrowed time. Almost 
just running out of borrowed time. Yeah, it's a metaphysical table change. Almost could not leave this astral plane. I will never But I can tell when I burn in hell, the fire is bright. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Oh, shit. Yeah. My neighbors fucking hate me, dude. <laughs> no, it's a decent hour right now. This isn't this is an asshole hour. This is an asshole hour. But yeah, but no, it will really be later tonight. Out, Nate. You did it that will be me. later tonight. Thank you, man. You did that for me. I appreciate that, man. And that takes, to sing honestly and purely like that is, uh, it takes a, it takes a bravery and it takes, what's the word that I'm looking for? Not sensitivity, but it, 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 when you're- Three shot espresso. Vulnerability. Huh? <laughs> vulnerability. And that's the strongest. That when you can be vulnerable in front of your motherfucker, if you could be vulnerable, uh, that's the most honest shit. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the that's the idea behind all this new stuff is that I I, I there's no pretense. I just wanted to, I just want to sing for people, man. And you that's got the it. that's the goal. So I love it, man. That voice, man. Nate, uh, so good luck with everything. Even if, I think you're just amazing, cat, and I appreciate your time, and I appreciate likewise, you Rob, doing this, dude, and uh, I, that just got me charged, man. That I hope the recording, you know, I'm doing, I'm as DIY with this project, so I yeah. hopefully the sound will come out on that shit because it was fucking amazing. Hey, if it doesn't, we'll do we'll do another one, you know. Yeah, we're gonna do another one with uh, as we're going up and beyond. Like literally, I want to be in a coffee shop with a nice small sound stage and smoking spliss with you and have you perform the music uh well checked and everything like that's kind of the vision for this whole thing that i'm Let's gonna do get it kind of, i love uh, that Patreon. i love that yeah that's the vibe uh yeah music is uh is powerful what are you listening to like i'll tell you what i saw jj kale what i was laughing about i've been going deep on jj kale and humble okay uh, yeah humble pie is amazing humble pie been, that lead singer's been tripping me out uh J.J. Kale was talking about, they were like, what have you been doing? And he like dropped out of the music industry for a minute. He goes, I've just been listening to hip hop and Van Halen and mowing my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. I was, like, I was like, hell yeah, he is. That's, I mean, because you, you know you can't do Van Halen. You can't diss on Van Halen. No, it's very hard to find something, something wrong with that. No, so, there's nothing wrong. I mean, those first albums, like the first three albums, that's as American good rock and roll as Chuck Berry, you know? Yeah, when you hear Eruption, that's it. It's over, man. You could, you, if you listen to Eruption and drink one of these three-shot espressos, you could punch a hole through a wall. No problem. No there's stress. No stress. There's something about art, you know, if it's good, it'll last. And, yeah, it's just like some of these songs, like, yeah, Van Halen, and then – you know, a lot of the hip hop, I'm sure he was listening to NWA, but I always saw him as kind of a visionary when Eric Clapton is, you know, grabbing your shit. Of course. You know, yeah. you know you got something. 
Uh, I actually recently I got wait I I read uh Rakim's book. Um uh I have it right here. It's uh I met Eric B one time. Is it Don't Sweat the Technique? That's one of his tunes. Um it sounds right. Man, his book is about it's about creativity and his process and he he walks you through his childhood and to the moment he like got into rap and how he's discovering how he can flow. He's the first rapper to kind of flow over the bar line. So I just went back and started listening to it. And I was like, Oh my God, this is uh, I've been listening to a lot of rock Kim because Dude, of that. Rock Kim is high level rap lyricism. It's insane. It's insane. And how he lines up. I saw how he lines up. A lot of it's like the mathematic from a law, like a lot of the seven percenter, how he lines up the lyrics. Like he looks at the words mathematically. Like he was the it's first to like write them all down. Then artistically, not from word to word, but whole phrasing supposed to mean something like. It's crazy. You know, uh, and it's fun. I always say like, Hip-hop, it's scary how hip-hop has gotten... I even like the new pop smoke shit. It's gotten so scary. And you're the younger generation than I am. But it's so yeah, violent. Before, but I did... I, I recently got into this guy. Uh, I know we have to wrap up soon, but I, I did get into this guy. He's from PG County, and now he's pretty massive. His name's YBN Corday. Oh, wow. Um, uh, I heard about him because I was reading an interview, and Eminem said, was saying, you know, a lot of the new trap stuff is kind of trash uh the best new rapper i've heard in years is ybn corday and i was like wow if you're getting that kind of endorsement that's wild um so i checked him out and he's like he's like 18 or 19 or 20 and he is incredible literally incredible he's a kid and he's one he's one of the best lyricists i've heard in a very very long time oh coming from pg county yeah we yeah pg county boy uh, yeah, our, the, we have, like, growing up, we never had the best lyricists in go-go music. Like, we had, no, what do we no. have? DJ Cool. DJ Cool was not yeah. that good of a lyricist. No. no but and he, but Chuck, Brown, Chuck Brown is not also known for his lyrics, but it's a vibe and it's a soul. And it's, yeah, it's all vibe. I'm all about vibe. That's why I don't hate on trap. And I, know, and I definitely don't hate on, like, I'd never want to be an old head preaching to the young heads. I want to get into the young heads to see what's happening. But well, some good, there is some good stuff out there. I mean, the, the funny thing is, though, when you look at, like, Travis Scott's last record and you looked at his biggest tune, which was um, – uh, it was the big Travis Scott one. from, from I know that album's massive, but – Okay, yeah. his biggest – the number one track on there with Drake. Yeah. R written – and composed by Q-Tip. Oh, wow. And it's straight up the f weird, funky trap. And you're like, why is this beat? Why is this song so much better than these other songs? But well, Q-Tip's uh, been doing it forever. Like, he was the producer. For, yeah, yeah but that's the been, point. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I will say, yeah, Drake, I like kind of some of his stuff. But I will say, but the thing about DC, it's just funkier. Go-Go, the thing about Go-Go, it, it never got, like, hip-hop is like, as pop music as you get. Like, it's so massively yeah. consumed. Go-Go was just funky enough that it couldn't get absorbed. You know, white, yeah, America, you, yeah. white America would not jump on, it's just too damn funky. Right, I mean, the, the, the roots <laughs> like of not, yeah. Philly, Philly really had a tap into Go-Go. Like, Jill Scott did a couple tunes with a Go-Go beat that were kind of chart-topping things. And uh, Jay-Z did. 
And That's once in a while, Miss Elliott, yeah. you hear it once in a while. Like the, the, the Everybody in hip hop respects Go-Go because they know it's the funkiest and it never sold out. It's the best. When Jay-Z bites your lyric, Jay-Z, the 10 in the morning, 6 in the morning, that's all yeah. the biggest Rare hit. Essence. He stole yeah. it from Rare Essence. Everybody yeah. it's Rare Essence. He, he totally ripped it off because it was a dope-ass party jam, but it would never get any radio play. Jay-Z fucking knew that. He went Those in are the best DC lyrics right there. I think that's a good prop on him, like, yeah, when, when when the best rapper alive is stealing your shit, yeah. man, that's like, yo. Uh, I love it. I love uh, it. I love it. Uh, what was it? I was going to talk about DC and funk, and we we're going to, oh, do you, do you like Humble Pie? Have you listened to Humble Pie? I love Humble Pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got super into Humble Pie and Free, the band Free, which is, um, uh, uh, the singer for a bad company before, uh, yeah. Paul, Paul Rogers. Um, I got into Humble Pie, uh, Grand Funk Railroad, Free. I mean, there's just some stuff at that point that didn't blow up that's just so, so, so good. It's American rock. It's American know? 70s, yeah, good, dirty rock that before the internet. So it was all these bands just touring. Yeah, yeah. Making a living, yeah. Some of the tunes. What, are, what else are you listening to right now? Um, oh, man. I did actually, I got super heavy into the new Clutch record that they put out right at the uh, end of last year. It was called Book of Bad Decisions. It's so, it's so, so, so good. Um, I've been listening to this. Those dudes from a work aspect, from an artist aspect, no, I give all props to Clutch and how they've kept it going and how they've uh, just maintained their sound. It's just, if you like rock and roll and you're not fucking with Clutch, then I don't know, you know, I don't know what you need. Um, I've been checking out this band um, from Nottingham, UK, called the Sleaford Mods. Do you know them? No. It's wild, like street, grimy street UK hip hop, but like it. it has this punk rock aesthetic to it, and it is wild. There's nothing that sounds like this. It's yeah, it really, is. really, really, really. The lyrics are so good, and the delivery is so nonchalant UK of the punks. Uh, you 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 really love it, and it's all with yeah, the drum machine. Nobody, that 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 Cockney. I don't know how they call it, that London slang is some of the smoothest shit. Out I love it. I love, I love it. it. Love the it. I love it. I can it crazy. for an hour. What's that? The UK hip hop scene, the grime scene. Yeah, is Dizzy so the Rascal. Crazy. Yeah, the Dizzy, Dizzy Rascal. Yeah, that was the, that. Those oh, beats man. are really grimy and electronicy and weird. Right. Right. And off, and then the rhyme style is different and off and the, but they're uh but some of the phrases skepta, this guy skepta out of the uk is wild skepta wow. um there's some really good stuff coming out of the uk i mean the, the uk is always kind of at the forefront of what is hip you think yeah i do and i'll tell you why because i watched two years ago drake signed to that to to, to this like grime rapper's little label to like release drake stuff in the uk and he so badly wanted to be um associated with these guys and these were not big time guys so you know if a, an artist like that is tapped into or like stormzy and jay-z like if you know if, if rihanna and jay-z are tapped into like stormzy and and the gr uk underground hip-hop scene that's the hippest shit there is wow it's just a fact yeah, yeah, i mean yeah, we, yeah. we look we had muddy muddy waters and we had Howlin' Wolf, and then England turned around the Beatles and Rolling Stone and Cream and Zeppelin. So, <laughs> so 
while I think we're the originators, I think it goes to the UK to become cool. Wow. Yeah, I think that there is something cool about London. I don't know. I don't, yeah, it's, it's not as, I don't know. I think I, it might be, I don't think it's as savage as we are over here. To be an artist is almost, you could get by. It's not, it's not like, as savage. Yeah, it's just savage. Like, it's yeah. like, our artists, you, you're kind of looked on as a bullshit artist. Like, you might oh, get yeah, shot. You might get shot. Yeah, yeah you might get real. shot. You get, you get, but there, you know, you might hang out at a pub and there might be the local hooligan, but he doesn't have a gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no you might get a headbutt. No, but headbutt. I do think it's, uh, London's always been, I, I'm glad that it's still that because I know it's stand up. Uh, so, you know, the international scene is just blowing up, but we're the first to do it. So it's kind of like, uh, American stand-ups are looked upon. Like, I need to go internationally because I hear it's a good market. Straight up, dude. Uh, and I just watched that Miles Davis biography on Netflix. It's dope. Have you seen Amazing. That? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Anything that hits Netflix that's got music in it, I'm watching it. That's you what I've I mean? been into, the ZZ Top. Tiger King kind of bummed me out. I thought the ZZ Top was much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. ZZ Top is an example of, like, great American things. And Tiger King is an example of, like, why the rest of the world hates us. Yeah, exactly. That, that, it was a, but, oh, did you see in Tiger King, one of the dudes was wearing a clutch shirt? I did. I did. <laughs> and I had some choice conversations with the guys in the band about that. They were, they were not too terribly stoked. <laughs> <laughs> but it just says how big those guys have gotten. And big, man. Internationally. And, uh, and to save face, that guy was the coolest guy in the camp. Best one. Which, for sure. He was the only real dude. He was yep. the only dude I liked out of that whole crew. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the Miles Davis one. But when he went to Europe, was just like, it just blew his mind. How they treated artists, how they treated, you know. Yeah. Yes. I think they, they get, like, it's a part of culture. We need these people to survive. You know? Yeah, what's, what's everyone doing right now on, on quarantine lockdown? They're absorbing and ingesting art and all day long. It, yeah, they would be completely crazy and bored with life if they didn't have it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's viable. It's very Me important. Too. Me I think too. America does put out some dope art, though. We've got some good Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. No, listen, it's not a knock. I'm just saying... It's uh, it is it is hard it is hardcore out here, and we got some good herb lately. Like Amsterdam ah, used to do this shit, but now, but nah. tell me, we'll, we'll sign off on this before it's almost four twenty. It's four o'clock, but uh, yeah, how's the DC scene? Like it's literally legal. I got people on the inside telling me it's about to go big, super big there. Like it is, it is the wild fucking west out here. You have, uh clinics you have your like medical stores you got delivery services you got i mean it's like it's not it's decriminalized but it's not fully legal it's not recreational but it's legal it it might as well be mcdonald's out here I but mean, as soon as you go everything. over northern virginia though it gets tight right Isn't it gets dicey but do you know the, the governor of northern the governor of virginia just decriminalized it Oh, good for them. I always said yeah, that yeah. road in, he, in Virginia. They're pushing, they're pushing the right direction. I still don't fuck with Virginia that hard. Like, I won't bring drugs into Virginia. Yeah. But I'm now not, like, I don't think I'm going to throw my life away if I accidentally drive over the border with a joint. Yeah, that's what I always, like, looked at. Virgi like, yeah, Virginia's always been shitty with pot laws. Maryland's pretty chill. Like, Maryland's pretty be. cool. Maryland's yeah. always been cool. And I heard word on the street, Maryland is like almost legalized. There's like dispensaries over there in Baltimore. It's great. Every, no, Baltimore, everywhere. Silver Spring, Montgomery County, everywhere. There's dispensaries oh. everywhere. 
go, go, go. Yes. Worldwide weed, baby. Worldwide weed, yeah. But thank Nate, thank you so much. Let's hang Rob, out. Rob, it's always a pleasure. Um, next time we hang, you're one of my favorite people to catch up. I'd love to have you on again. Online and offline, the conversation would be very similar. Yeah, it's the same shit. Yeah. Right. We talk about a right, DMT Rob. trip. We talk about uh, some food. Yeah. All right, buddy. I'll end it. I'll end it. Peace. Peace. Cheers. Uh,